named Marcus. Yes. You mind if I live simply, laugh often, and love deeply? Of course not. Do you think I'm a parrot? No. Thank you. Do you like movies? Yes, I do. This is Zebras in America, episode 102. All right. Two, 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 two. Uh, you know what word I find funny? What's that? Tutu. Why? I don't know. It's just funny. No. I mean, I don't find the name Tutu when it's a surname like uh, Desmond Tutu. I don't find that mm-hmm. funny. But I do find like the outfit being called Tutu. Oh. Or like Ice-T's character on SVU, Tutuola. That is its last name on the show. It's a street drug called Rhinoceros Uncle. <laughs> Odafin Tutuola. Um, we have some mail. Oh, all right. Yeah. Shall I read the mail? Please. Hold on a second. I wasn't prepared. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Will you guys ever forgive me? <clears throat> forgive me. Baby, if I hold you tonight. Um, oh, speaking of our last episode, mm-hmm. someone did hook us up with the Criterion Channel password. So That's very nice of him. That person. Yeah. Don't gender the person. You don't know. True. Um, so, thank you. So, I think we got to watch that movie that Mikhail told us to watch. Which Un- was... Unrelated. Yes, okay. By the director of The Souvenir. That is maybe... I think that's the only one... That's the one Jonah Hogg movie I haven't seen. So it's got to... If you remember, Mikhail gave it a glowing review. Yeah. And by the time you guys are listening to this to this particular episode, my thoughts on The Souvenir will be up on PinlandEmpire.com. So you should uh, check that out if you didn't by the time you're listening to this. Yeah, he said that it was like... If Lucretia Martel and Hanukkah made a movie together. Yeah. I saw Unrelated. You did? But I forget. Yeah. I see a lot of movies. I saw it a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But clearly I should see it again if I forgot that I saw it. Yeah. I remember like I was telling you about like Butter on the Latch and you were like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you're like, oh, wait, I've seen that movie. Yeah. Like, I was trying to get you to watch it. And then you're like, oh, I saw it. Yeah. Which I just wanted to see it because I was like. Just trying to see more movies directed by women. Um, but then it was... Wait, that's, is that the Sophia to call? No, so I'm not no, no, that's... No, no. Sophie, so to call made, a, made her first movie... Oh, what's that? What's the first movie called? Um, that, was, that was weird. But, you know... Oh, yeah. What nah. was the movie that she made that we really liked? The Persona Mahon Drive movie. I know. I'm really... I were but not... that wasn't her first movie, though. No, no, no I'm saying song. she yeah. made another movie, yeah. but I was trying to remember the name of the movie that we liked. Right, 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 right. And now I just feel like... I feel like, a, I feel like a, an imposter. No, it happens. It's, you see a lot of movies, you get older, you have blank spots in your memory. It's Dude, I had, I, had blank, I had blank spots in, in the movies... Like, before I started a movie. You know what I mean? No, just explain that again. No. Uh, Before I started movie podcasts. Oh, 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 right. I was like, I already had, like, um, memory issues. Sure, sure. But, yeah. 
Now I'm well, now I'm really upset that I don't remember this to call movie. Fine, that's what we had the the net for. Oh, are you? But as you're finding that. Uh, oh, I thought you were looking it up. No, I was still. Hold on. Hold on. Wait for the mother for the symphony song. We go. Wait. Then you go. Wait. No, but, ah. uh, Butter on the Latch was, yeah, there's, was um, directed by Josephine Decker. Always did. Shine is what we like. Yes. But green, green, green is the other yes. movie she did. So, so Josephine Decker and Sophie Tikal get confused a lot, which is just sexist, because they're just women they're just white women directors that are around the same age and that's the only thing that they have in common mm-hmm. um josephine decker did butter on the latch thou was mild and lovely and madeline's madeline right sylvie to call green and always shine you know it's funny you say that because one person who gets mistaken for another female filmmaker makes light of it eliza hitman and kelly reichardt get confused like because they they actually do look alike and that's, and but, that's the thing. but their movies couldn't be more different. True, and they couldn't well, be different, way, but they do travel in the same circles of, as far as festivals and film people and, and stuff. So. I mean, they both make character studies about what they understand. They just sure. come from different places. Very true. Um, but yeah, Green was weird, but Always Shine was really dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's read. Let's read some emails. Okay. Because I don't want to fall off after episode one hundred. No, we're not falling off. I always get like we're never falling off. I get I get like worried. Like you know me, I'm like way more sensitive than I present. Right. Like I'm always like, hey, do you want to still do this podcast? And you're always like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, this is from Spencer. Mm-hmm. Matthew. What's up, Spencer. He's the guy that does the Spike Lee podcast. Yeah. yeah. Who has everyone on except for me? Episode one hundred and one. <laughs> Sup, Marcus and Scott. It's Spencer again. Congrats on 100 episodes. That was a great listen. Thanks. Thanks, man. Uh, Scott, you mentioned the Tunisian Bob Aziz. Are you referring to the Nasser Kamir film? If so, you're the first person I've heard mention any of his films on a podcast. His desert trilogy, Wanderers of the Desert, The Dove's Lost Necklace, Bob Aziz, is amazing and underseen. Um... Anyways, I have a quick hip-hop-related query. What are your favorite hip-hop albums of the year so far? Mine are Beast Coast's Escape from New York and Bandana, with a close runner-up in Sarface meets Ghostface. Um, do you want to start, Marcus? Sure. Because um, <clears throat> your list is probably... You, you actively listen to more records than I do. I do. I, I try to stay on top. So things that are just... Um, Maxo, Big Little Man... Uh, it's crazy. Def Jam has one of the most talented young artists on their label, and they barely promote him. But Maxo, Big Little Man, uh, Quelle, Chris, Guns, easily. Um, let's see. Anything, uh, it's, it's weird. Anything that Makami has put out this year. Makami not only has been the most active this year, but everything he's put out this year has been affordable. So, um... Makami's album, uh, Wapcon George, is great. Uh, the, al- the two albums he did with DJ Muggs, um... Were, were really good so those are some standouts uh oh of course the billy woods and kenny siegel album that came out a few months ago and i'm now in the process of really delving into the new billy woods album that just came out a couple of days ago so those are kind of the the, the standouts like anything billy woods put out anything my put out 
uh, yeah, Quelle, Chris Guns, and Maxo, Big Little Man. There, there's a song um, on this new Maxo album called Time that was like a, that I listened to a lot during my mother's transition to the other side. It, 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 it was a really personal song. It's like a personal kind of grief yeah. song. So those are... And, um, and, and there's I, a lot more, but those are the, the and standouts. I, and I mentioned it before, but we met Makami earlier this year. Yeah. Because of Tyron de Harlem, yeah, who's a really cool dude. Yes, he is. If he's listening, I think you're a really cool dude. But he's I've also told you, doing important you're... work. There's a lot of a lot of good hip hop podcasts are either non-existent anymore or they're just not very good. And he's one of these guys who like. He's I'm the... not gonna say he founded people, but he he no, was on the wave early on with he's... West Side Gun, Makami, Crime Apple, all these guys. He's doing really good long form interviews yeah. with with dudes yeah. that don't like to do interviews. Um, yeah, there like, you go. Very true. So, like, he gets interviews. Like, Makami's done, like, a handful of interviews. Uh, he's been able to create... <clears throat> he's his, done three. And two of them were, were tied See, on. that's a handful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just really appreciate people that are able to create their own wave just based on their own terms, and especially yeah. in this age. Like, I think people don't remember that, like, Prince... Prince didn't do a, an interview until his fourth album. I didn't. I didn't know that. Because he didn't have to. He had the. He had the music. Sure. sure. And I, I, well, I did not know. And that. Ty, yeah, so Tyron de Harlem does these almost like salons, where people hang out and listen to music, <clears throat> and he gives away trading cards and yeah. interviews rappers. But, and we met. We met Makami, and I told him. You know, I've, I'm sure I've said this before. I told him that, like, my mom really liked one of his lines about the flying Walendas. Mm-hmm. And he really enjoyed it. And, yeah. and, like, we told him how that song... Oh, what's your... What's Gorman Dees. Gorman Dees was, like, really important to us. And he mm-hmm. was, like... He seemed genuinely appreciative. And I like people like yeah. that. So my my records of the year, as far as rap goes, is definitely Wakan Joj. Yeah. By Makami, he also did a re- he also did a record with DJ Muggs, but I like Wapkan George better. Specifically, Wapkan George, the song that everyone seems to be universally loving is uh, Mozambique Drill. Mm. That's like the song everybody lo- that that might be in my top three songs of of the year. It's such a unique, weird song. That it's just I got it's just got good vibes, <clears throat> and the yeah. first song got Quelle Chris on there, who yeah. who is a friend of the show, is a friend of mine. Sure. And I think Quelle Chris is batting batting a batting a thousand. I I don't think agree I, more. I don't think he's made a bad album, which is incredibly rare, because he just is so unequivocally himself yeah. that he just like can't he can't he I just think he's been batting batting a thousand. Uh, he's I feel like him him and Gene made the best husband and wife album since Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Mm. Um, mm. Except unlike Rumors, which is about a breakup, the, that their album is about like exploring their love. Yeah. And someone else smarter than me wrote that it was like if, if De La Soul were married to each other. Wow. That's insane. But I, I isn't, like isn't that a really good description, though? Yeah, yeah it is. So I think Guns by Guns by Quelly Chris, uh, Wakan Joj by Makami. This is cheating, but the Cavalier Lemonade reissue. Oh, uh huh. 
I'm trying to think what else has come out this year that I like. Yeah. Murtaugh was last year. Wait, I still function? Yes. Oh, shit. He has an album out this year, and it's really good. Okay, so that album. I also, suggest- friend of the show. He listens to Zebras. We we connected through Twitter. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's a really wait, cool guy. We wait, I still through, function yeah. is like one of my records the last year. Yeah, and this this new album is on. It, it's on that same same wave, same but different at the same time, which is what every album should be. Also, you, I, you, you would like it. Damn, I forgot to tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little mad at you. It just came out like not too long ago. I forgot. I feel like Arsenio Hall when no one told him about how good about this cheese. This is good ass cheese. Um, and so yeah, I, I I really like Murtaugh. I really like this wave of like people rapping over psychedelic rock and not large drum loops. Sure. I think it's just. I think the natural progression is to go is to like step back when things are are going too weird. And I'm sure there's other stuff that I'm not thinking about. Right, but. right. But I think those are... That's good enough for now. Yeah, I've also just been, unfortunately, listening to a lot less music. I, di- I, I didn't love Bandana, I have to admit. And, oh, I did. Oh, wow. And okay. I also just think everybody should just listen to the Albert Einstein album from Prodigy and Alchemist. Danny Brown just came up with a new album, which I'm which I'm taking in right now. I'm still processing it as well. Yeah, it came out two days ago, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I'm not ready to make a comment. But I think Hybrid and Triple X are near perfect albums. I couldn't agree more. Danny Brown is probably my favorite yelling rapper. Yeah, and I really like I really like Meek Mill as well, but he's but he. I don't think his work is as substantial. Yeah, no. And, okay, so I think that that answers. And also, like, if you get upset about the, my sentence about not being on your podcast, take it with a grain of salt or invite me on your podcast. Um, <laughs> and I was, yes, I was mentioned, it was the Tunisian Babazis. And that's, that's a great movie, don't you think? Um, also... Have you seen Hourglass Sanitarium? Dude, the more I think about that movie, mm. the more I fucking love that movie. Sure. It's classic. And I always said, P.S., after the hieroglyphics talk, which I think was episode 101, yeah. I listened to Deltron 3030 album mm-hmm. for the first time in a few years. It's killer. Yeah, that album is... Uh, I think that album is also perfect. Huh. Deltron 3030? No, no, I'm just saying. I think it's very solid. I For me... The scratch scratcher in me. It's hard to dis like. I can't not. I always compare Doctor Octagon to Thirty Thirty because it's the same formula. Dan the Automator, a turntablist and a rapper. Even though Kid Koala doesn't get a lot of the credit in the Deltron thing, whereas Doctor Octagon wasn't just a Cool Keith project. It was Dan no. the Automator, Cool Keith, and Cubert. And while Kid Koala is one of the best to ever do it, Cubert is you know to some people he's Jordan. And that album kind of proved why. I think they didn't utilize Kid Koala's scratches as well as they could have and as well as they did Qbert on Dr. Octagon. I think it was kind of a wasted uh, thing to have a guy like Kid Koala, who's also a classically trained pianist and an amazing scratch DJ. Really, and he just plays the background way too much. I see. I like, I like how he was playing the background. Yeah. And, well, and His scratches on the Dr. song Positive Contact are, are pretty Oof. killer. Dr. Octagon is obviously a classic, but Deltron 3030 was just part of this year. Like, the year 2000 
and 2001 mm. were just the most important years for me because they were Infesticons. just because you had the Infesticons motherfuck the Majesticons you had you had um, your guys the bean anti-pop consortium yeah. you had Blacklicious Nia you had Ozo Motley you had Jurassic 5 you had my, I already said Mike Ladd you had Definitive Jux really starting to build. You had the first ASAP Rock album, which was not on Def Jux. Yeah. Uh, there are just all these incredibly important records. Yeah. So Deltron 3030 was part of that. And that was like, th- that was when people were still making really cohesive albums. Like Nia is, a com- is like from, from top to bottom. Deltron from top to bottom. And then you had the Gorillas, which really, which really put Dell into the stratosphere. I think he it did. I was surprised that he well, I, I know we talked about this before, but I was surprised that he didn't he didn't capitalize on that more. Uh, same. Same. But yeah, so um also just yeah, those oh, early two that that was Dan the Automator's time. He did a lot of stuff. He did a lot of projects. I mean he still it's not he's dead or anything, but that no era was just it was like from yeah, the Deltron first Deltron Lovage. Uh, what I'm, I'm forgetting some handsome other stuff. boy modeling school. Oh, geez, yeah, handsome boy modeling school. Also, yeah, also, um, yeah. also, the, um, he made he made some he made some music with DJ Shadow. I just got some good feedback on some music that I'm. Oh, that's dope. Was oh, that a picture from Get Out? Um, <laughs> I'm putting you on blast. <laughs> Scott saw a picture of me and my white fiance, and he asked if it was from Get Out. It's okay. My fiance, my white fiance, makes Get Out jokes. She hasn't in a while, but she used to. I just Marcus and I mess with each other a lot. Um, crap! What were we just talking about? Dell. Oh uh, no, Danny Automator and just yeah. So, crazy so Danny Automator made made that album like. Something in sitars with DJ Shadow. That album, Bombay the yes, Hard Way. Bombay the Hard. Damn. Oof. Yeah, the early two thousands. That was like I'm saying. That dude. was the last era. Like you could just go to like the records. It just blind yeah, you, buy something. Yeah, you, know, you go to other, I used to do that a lot. Other yeah. music, rest in peace. You go to see. A, you go I met. I wasn't around. Me, you go to Amoeba. I definitely Amoeba and rest because just because of DJ stuff. I was in the Bay Area a lot. In the early mid two thousands, so I would just I was killing Rasputin and uh, and, and Amoeba records. Oh, definitely Fat Beats. Um, you just like you every Tuesday you could go to Fat Beats and and buy something interesting. Yeah, you had to dodge a couple people to get inside, but we already talked about that. Come on, we've we've, <laughs> we've we've like unnecessary shade we threw at people who sell was it unnecessary we didn't even like it's harassing we didn't even like throw i'm just saying we didn't even like throw the worst perpetrator no we didn't we didn't well there's there's plural there's two but let's not let's not we got to get to some movies eventually yeah okay so oh and then and then and then spencer says the event too well it's not great replacing mc paul barman with the lonely island is just one of a few big missteps also, Dan the yeah. Automator made a solo album too, like something a better tomorrow that was yeah. really good too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, PPS, hi Doug, love Spencer. Hi Doug, huh. uh, Marcus, you ever smoke PCP? <clears throat> nope. And then we have, we have one from 
John Arminio. Oh, what's up, dude? Greetings, Marcus and Scott. I just listened to episode 101 of Zebras in America, and as per usual, I greatly enjoyed it and appreciated your vast film and hip-hop knowledge, as well as your thoughtful exuberance for the topics you discuss. I knew you had been taking a break from the podcasting game, but I did not realize the extent of the health issues you had been experiencing. Sorry for not reaching out earlier, but thank you for letting us listeners know what has been going on. I'm certainly glad you both are doing better, and I wish you continued good health in the future. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean... Side note, I do... I says I always have to bring it up. I met John in person. I met him once. I feel like I you know, knew him even before I met him. But John uh, sent a, uh, a card to, uh, to my mom, and she this is before she passed, obviously, like just like checking in on her and stuff. And this is a guy who I met once, so it's the kind of person he is. That's a classy right. move. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, sometimes we don't always talk about our personal stuff as it's happening or, you know, we share a lot of ourselves in this podcast. Some Some stuff we don't feel like sharing. I mean, like... You like last summer I was going through a lot and I don't think we even ever talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. And I and I'm st- and I'm st- going to be vague, you know. Yeah. So it just is what it is. Onward. Only because a lot has happened since I last communicated with Marcus on the subject, I would like to re-up my offer to guests on the podcast whenever it is convenient for you gentlemen. Yeah, of course. I know you have an array of knowledgeable contributors and that you may have a backlog of guests topics you might want to dig into but i just wanted to touch base with you thank you for all the great work you do love john arminio so yeah uh we i I already been talking to him about uh having him on and he just got john pick up pick a topic and good yeah i i have i have an idea i think the three of us will yeah we'll talk off here but i I have have an idea for a good uh semi-structured show okay um Damn, how how long? How I want to know how long it took us to get to the topic of of our episode because I'm sure. just impressed. <laughs> Twenty two oh, minutes, nice. Maybe we'll no no. We're just gonna go for it. Go ahead. So, we're going to talk about a new film by Todd Phillips mm-hmm. called Joker. Yes, which I saw recently, and you yeah. saw at TIFF. I did. And Todd Phillips is a guy that his first movie was a documentary about G.G. Allen. Yeah. Uh, which I forgot about until my friend Jake from Ridgewood reminded me. And <coughs> I sort of wish... I know, like, Todd Phillips was was using Joker as a vessel to tell the story he wanted to tell, and I'm still figuring out what the story he wanted to tell is. Mm-hmm. But I wonder... If he had instead of made the G- the Joker movie, had made a Gigi Allen biopic instead, which could have been the greatest musical uh, biopic ever. It's coming, by the way. By Todd Phillips. No, but but a G- can I finish my thought? Yeah. No, no, I'm just just saying. Sorry, I just feel like making if Todd Phillips had made a Gigi Allen biopic with the same sort of undercurrent that he told this Joker movie, hmm. it would be like. You know, like, uh, my brain is terrible today. What's that movie? A squeal like a pig. Deliverance. Deliverance. Like, like if he made a movie like Gigi Allen biopic that was mm-hmm. that had the same arc as Deliverance, mm-hmm. I think he could have done it. Cause, 
because Todd Phillips, he's a sadistic director. Those Hangover movies are yeah. are terrible in that not and not that they're terrible movies. It's debatable whether I don't remember the second or third one. I I saw the second one. Don't remember it. I didn't see the third. First one, I thought the first one was funny. The second one was like, is this necessary? And then the third one, I was like, no, I'm not even seeing this. So. They, it was it was sort of remarkable because it was, it was they were comedy movies that had no jokes, and that sort of <laughs> started a trend of sure. of comedy films that actually don't have jokes. But it's also you know old school for its time. I haven't watched the movie in a very long time, but You're I remember in college blue. loving old school. What's the he did? He also did um, Road Trip, of course. Which, which, one of the weirdest cameos ever, Chameleon Street's Wendell B. Harris is, is, the, is, is the professor in that movie, which I always found interesting. But uh, Speaking yeah. of movies like that, I mean, Tom Green was great. Of course he was. Orange County, I like that movie. I think you've said that before. I, I like Orange County, too. I will say I like, forever. I, like I, just, I really like that movie, and I don't think it got enough love back, uh, back in the day. That's Colin Hanks, Jack Black movie. Do you know what I think that movie... Because people... There's a weird... Oh, no. it's, a, it's it remi- Sorry. It reminds me of a different Tom Green movie, Stealing Harvard. Yeah. Little... I think... Wasn't that... That was directed by Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall. That was a movie... The trailer got me so hyped. Right. And then I saw it and I'm like... Ah. No. Like, I remember... like. I want to be Steve. It's like, you're Kyle. You're Carl. Kyle! But then the actual movie itself was not good. I'm sorry. I, interru- I interrupted you. What no, no, I was saying? just saying real quick. So, early rumors, industry stuff. It looks like Christian Bale may be playing Gigi Allen in, in a biopic. But it, it, it's early, so who knows? That's the weirdest thing you've ever told me. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. Christian yeah. Bale? Yeah. Which is funny, because Christian Bale played Batman... Yes, and, there you go. And, I did that on purpose. Oh, like, you did? No, no, I didn't. But you picked. That's why we have a podcast, right? And he also he also did Starsky and Hutch, and and Due Date, Todd Phillips, right? Right. And he's on, he's on the Howard Stern show a lot. He is. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he also did War Dogs, but no one saw that movie. Mm-hmm. That because it was also during the time when like Miles Teller was just like a cancer. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. That was by the time his, his reputation. Miles Teller, he's got one of like the worst re- reputations ever. Oh, see the he's nice a super prima donna when it's just like, homie, you're just Miles Teller. You need to relax. Oh yeah, like Miles Teller is not. He's not even Matt Damon. No, but he thinks he is. Nah, you, or, but, or that, yeah. but one of the reasons why people love Matt Damon is because he doesn't even act like Matt Damon. No. some Yeah, he does. Sometimes Matt Damon is very much just like Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon. Can you yeah. even make that joke anymore? We just did. Yeah. Cancel us. You can't. Yeah. But I'll, <clears throat> let's get Which brings into, us to the let's Joker. Get, let's get into the movie because... Yeah. Much of the reason I watched this movie was was that people were saying all these things about it. Both on opposite ends of the spectrum. Both both great and not terrible and whatever. So this is definitely a movie that even people who didn't want to see it ended up saw, seeing it. It's like a very... Yeah. 
It's the, probably. Would you say this is the big? This was the biggest hyped movie of the year. Ad Astra was pretty hyped. Joker but, was but, way more. No, no. Jo- Joker. Joker was the most hyped, and it was. I I have so much comic book fatigue that I was almost not even going to see it. Yeah. But then, I know we really wanted to talk about it on the podcast, and even though the movie is called Joker and there are small little nods to the Batman universe. Yeah. It's sort of its own story. Yeah. And, you know, the Joker was, it's not the movie that's going to validate incels or the movie that's going to inspire people to kill people or a movie that totally misses the mark on mental illness. It's an incredibly shot incredibly well acted homage to new American cinema mm. but lacks the subtext and subversion in my opinion that made those films excellent okay, okay. so hmm. I thought it was good it was way better than I expected because mm-hmm. I had been told by the media that it was the movie that was going that was going to be the incel the movie that just sparked the incel. It was going to be the Proud Boy Manifesto. Sure. And I already saw that movie. It's called Elite Battle Angel. And it's not even a bad movie. Elite Battle Angel is actually a pretty good movie. Mm. But his but their fans are a cancer. Yeah. And they also need... Someone needs to look into some of those fans. Because I think it has to do with the obsession of that Elite character. Which right. So I think that's what it stems from. It and stems I'll, from... I'll say no more. I don't want to get too I'm gonna, graphic. No, I will. Rooms. Lolita Battle Angel. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Pretty Cause much. Because I think they like this coquettish... Can I even... Can I say coquettish anymore? Yeah. Okay. Coquettish young robot that they that they think will, will fill some sort of thing. Yes. I, you said it. Perfectly. I disagree with some of the things you say on the internet, how they're all virgins, because I think it's reductive to be like, oh, they're all virgins. But I don't know where this rabid fandom comes from. Well, to explain, just so you know, real quick, when I say it, it's like I'm sure some of them have girlfriends or whatever, but right. there is, but my, my thing is, you try to shy away from them. Like, I, it's, it's just like this whole thing of like, <clears throat> When today's black conservatives act a certain way, you want to—you don't want to immediately be like, "Oh, look at these guys tap dancing in the plantain." You don't want to immediately go there. Right. But after a certain point, when you act a certain way, you know what? There's nothing else that I can do but because, like, there is that stereotype of like the virgin nerdy guy, and it's right. like you're acting like that right now. So I'm gonna call it to you so, more so as an insult. I'm sure you've had sex once or twice. Or but, or a, you know. an insult. An insult, oh, man. But also, just for a little context for people who listen to our show that don't follow Twitter, friend of the show, brilliant dude, Martin Kessler, offhandedly on Twitter was just like, I am not, I don't understand the fan, why Alita has such a fan base. And he got harassed. Like like the Beehive. Like, yeah. like, like Beyonce's folks. Like, disgusting harassment for two days. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like... Have and also just like read his tweets. If there's ever a champion for for slept on movies and cult films, agreed. Like agreed. You know, seriously, I've said this before, but dude wrote about one of the Resident Evil movies being like his Peaky Blinders, not his, not Peaky Blinders, Holy Motors, 
And I love that because it was like it's sort of what our podcast is about and what taste is about. Make your own fucking taste. Yeah. So make your own taste indeed. So my own my issue of like rabid fandoms that that robotically don't allow criticism is that's not a real fandom. Yeah. If because you know you and I stand the fuck out for Claire Denis. Yes. But we don't really like let the sunshine in. Correct. Because real fandom allows you to critique. Agreed. Don't even get me started on Mr. Jarmish. Who right. I love dearly, love dearly. him to death. But recent stuff is kind of Patterson excluded. Ooh, that was a good one. But, but but everyone's saying everyone was telling me like Joker's dangerous. Joker's gonna just gonna get people to do violence. Or Joker is is the film that that discusses social inequity unlike any other movie. Or Joker. Joker really understands mental illness or Joker really doesn't get mental illness yeah. or all that. And to me, really, it was just a very well done 70s cinema film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie, yeah, it also it definitely had like a, a somewhat timeless quality where it's like, this could be the 80s, 90s. To that, based on no, like how people dressed like, and stuff, it felt like the eighties. Yeah, it felt like the mid eighties because it had, it had like, even though it was clearly filmed through throughout different parts of this of New York City, it seemed it had this eighties Times Square vibe. Yes. except it was Gotham, and but it had like it felt like, you know, oh, there's gonna be spoilers. Sure. It had this vibe so. In the movie, this version of the Joker, because one thing about the comic book Joker is that when the Joker is written written very well, you don't know his backstory and you don't know how much of it is real or how much of it is true. So Joker, it's sometimes it turns out sometimes better to have as little information as possible. Mm -hmm. But this telling of the Joker is this person who has several mental illnesses, has an issue of uncontrollable laughter, Mm -hmm. has been committed at some point, Mm -hmm. lives with his unwell mother Mm -hmm. in a poor neighborhood of Gotham City in the 80s, seemingly, as the divide between the rich and the poor in Gotham is getting worse and worse. And Thomas Wayne, who is Batman's father in the comic books, is sort of this figurehead of the sort of let them eat cake sort of vibe, mm-hmm. and someone and and oh, Joaquin Phoenix didn't even say Joaquin Phoenix. Obviously, his yeah, his performance yeah. is incredible. I think he's a great actor. Sure, Two Lovers is one of my favorite movies, and The Master, which is not my favorite movie, has one of the great performances. Mm. Mm-hmm. So he plays this dude who just wants to be a stand-up comedian. And, and my friend, I don't know if my friend wants me saying his name, but my friend was like, he cried watching the stand-up comedy scene from the movie. Yeah. Because he tries to do this stand-up and, and also like he, he sees someone for medicine and the medicine and they're defunded. And he pl- and at some point he plays he he is a clown. And someone gives him a gun and he gets fired for 
for for a gun just falling out of his yeah, shoe. Yeah, he brings the gun to one of his gigs at at a children's hospital, and it just falls out of his pocket. Which just shows you how how unmired and unrooted in reality he is. Sure, it's it's it is it definitely has vibes of you know taxi driver with a clown suit and ob like and king of comedy. Obvi- but yeah, I was gonna say king of comedy. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's overt. Sure. By having Robert De Niro in the movie, it's overt, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and there's a scene where he, the where it really turns for him, and he shoots these Wall Street types yeah. on the train, yeah. who are acting like jerks. Not to say that they deserve to be murdered, but they're acting like jerks, and he shoots them. And I feel like that that's mimicking like Bernard Goetz. Oh yeah, Bernard Goetz. It's definitely Getz. a reference to Bernard Goetz. I, I and just to piggyback on what she said, yeah, sure, no one deserves to be killed in cold blood. But to say they were acting like jerks is kind of an understatement. They were physically harassing this woman. Yes. And then he. You're right. I and forgot then, about yeah, that. Yeah. And then the Joker, or well, he wasn't the Joker yet, but Arthur Fleck starts kind of laughing. And I always thought that scene too. He was doing that to kind of get the attention off of that woman. So in a weird way, he kind of did a superhero move where he kind of protected and saved this woman at first. And then the guys start, they, they beat the shit out of him. Yes. So technically it's self-defense. Technically. Just like Bernard gets. But the thing, the problem is, and just like with this movie, what branches out, the, the thing, the thing, neither of us were alive when it happened, but I've read enough and then I have two parents, one who's from here, and both were around New York City at the time. When the Bernard when the Bernard Getz shooting happened, it was these like if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like two of them were black and one was Latino. They were all like brown kids who tried to mug him. The city got a little too happy when these yeah. like teenage black and Latino Puerto Rican this like Puerto Rican kid and these other two black kids got killed. The city kind of cheered a little too loud, where it was just like, huh. You just you were waiting for that to, like you wanted that to happen. It, 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 the, the the vibe around that was weird, and it's not giving these these kids a pass because they were gonna do physical harm to this guy. But yeah, and that's the thing about this movie. It's like it doesn't. That was his origin of turning into the Joker. It's like oh, he protected this woman. He defended himself, but that was kind of, that scene was kind of the catalyst that opened him up to be the to turn into the you know. Or, person that he, or you can say like that his unwell mother yeah. and you find out it's, I don't know, some could view that the film is sort of explaining away sociopathy Well, he was taken advantage of and he was abused mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people didn't treat him with respect, therefore this. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes a movie's just a movie, yo. I, I agree. And I I have read that like Todd Phillips was saying that he did this movie because he feels that he can't make comedies anymore because of the culture. So him him being a rebel because he made this movie, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about all that. That's the problems when people say stuff like that because there's plenty of funny movies that don't even play it safe that come out every year. Also, so, some some of this cancel narrative is is one of those is is i think is actually an echo chamber is it is a uh, feedback loop that's being created like like sometimes you'll check a trending hashtag and most of 
the chatter will actually be people being opposed to the hashtag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's at, besides Vice? Who's calling to cancel Dave Chappelle? Some folks, but no, no one. I'm saying you know. he's. It's not. It's clearly not affecting his ticket sales. No, it definitely isn't. Yeah, yeah. In he's fact, a prime example. In fact, I'm. I bet you Shane Gillis is going to make way more money this year from being fired from SNL than from. Oh, being he's doing on a SNL. bunch of doing all these stand up gigs now. Um, he's got all these podcasts lined up and everything. Yeah, no, you're absolutely because, right. Because it's not like he was going to do anything on SNL. Because com- comedians it. don't even think that what he did was defensible or funny. They just believe he has a right to, be, to, to, to say these things. Which is another issue. Everybody ha- Here's the thing. That I'm not saying this. I, I, you're saying this. But what I do get is... I'm saying every- people are saying this. I'm <clears throat> no, not- I know. That's what I'm saying too. But the problem is with this whole free speech... Nobody is ever not free. You can say whatever you want. And this- but what people fail to realize is... Say it, fine, but then other people have the right to express their freedom of speech. Right. You say, hey, I don't like that you said that. For, That's all. Because that, it's... For example, Thorough is not my actual last name. Right. Because I work in mental health care. I have stuff where I want to step... I don't want people to be able to find my personal life. It would be... You'd have to be a private... It's not that difficult to figure out what my last name is, mm. but you'd mm-hmm. have to be searching for it. Yeah. And sure. I'm sure this podcast could be... T- I've said a lot of stuff here that I wouldn't say is controversial, but it might be if you're hiring me. Mm-hmm. So I get it. And my whole... I just think... I just think either don't hire the person or... Turn it into teachable moments. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I just think it was because also when you fire someone for that stuff, you just give someone even more of a platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know I was listening to Roseanne Barr on the Joe Rogan show this week, mm-hmm. and she's she's not well. And I think it would have been interesting to give someone a forgiveness arc. I'm not defending what she said. I'm not defending what anyone says. I'm not, I'm not a comedian. I do believe that we have the right to say anything, but we also have to suffer the consequences yes, of that, it. Yes, that's what I was saying. Absolutely. I, I don't think a lot of people get that, which is weird, because it's pretty basic and simple. But Yeah, free speech means you can say just about everything. That's what I'm saying. There's Shane a, Gillis said what he said. And any time there's a situation where it's, oh, you can't say it. Like, you said it, but then other people heard him like, hey, I don't like that. And I think people have a misunderstanding of what freedom of speech is. Yeah, freedom of speech protects you from the law. It protects you from violence. If I say something upsetting to you and you hit me, that's violating my free speech. In fact, the Second Amendment was created to protect someone's free speech and to protect themselves from the government. But that's that's a whole different thing, and we're not getting in going crazy into the second amendment today Mm-mm. though i'm sure there could be arguments made if you try to read too deep into the joker movie as some sort of mental health thing and how the mentally unwell shouldn't have guns but i even find some of the the mental health issue about gun laws created by the left to be problematic this is not saying I, my views on gun control are complex and I'm not going into them here. No, no, no. 
they're they're not as simple as I'm against or I'm for. Mm-hmm. They're complicated. Some of some of the some of the information that could be provided by gun o- owners by some of the suggestions on the left would make certain people's mental health diagnoses freely available to certain people, which which makes me think that people would maybe not get diagnosed out of fear of being on a public list. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And yeah, I was actually surprised at how good the Joker was and how well how well timed the violence was because the violence was scary. But it was in spurts. It wasn't like start no. to finish. It was like in a, just a few key uh, moments. There's very little violence in the movie, honestly. There is. I think people get caught because the movie is very grimy feeling and looking. But the actual acts of violence, yeah, there's only a, a, a few from beginning to end that are just spread out. It's not There's like non-stuck. six. Is it even that? I was going to say it seemed four or five, but you know. So. Yeah, so. Like, like murder violence? There's, oh wait! I forgot. There's, well, there's the ending. I forgot about the the, the big climax on the. There's top, the you know? big climax. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. That was amazing. Yeah. Huh. That last scene was amazing. Okay. So, so in the movie, obviously, I'm assuming you've seen the movie, but if you haven't, and we've already warned against spoilers. Yeah. He does an open mic comedy, which is laughingly bad. And he's laughing during it. And Robert De Niro plays a talk show host, you know. Yeah, there's someone, there's like a, essentially it's like a, something that would probably happen, say, the video goes viral. Yeah. And then he becomes this, that video becomes an internet thing. He he makes fun of the guy. Yeah. And he invites the Joker to come on the show, probably to make fun of him. Yeah. And at this time, in the the Joker has become a, uh, a symbol in Gotham where the race relations and the class relations are getting to a boiling point. So the Joker mask has become this symbol of, of the lower class. So he shows up on the show dressed like the Joker dressed in all comedy face admits to these murders and tells bad jokes and then shoots Robert De Niro's character in the face. Yeah. And you sort of expect it, but you also weren't. And I uncomfortably laughed. Oh, wow. Because I was like, ha! And people turned around at me. I did. My, just like kind of what you were saying, I knew that's what was going to happen. But when it happened, I still went, oh, damn. Right, because I didn't know know that they were actually going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Now, talk about, I did laugh at Ricky Gervais being Alfred. I don't know why that was from that was that, that was Ricky Gervais. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, he that was he was so good as Alfred. He was. I just thought it was weird. And now it's like we're at a point now where, in like you know, a short period of time, there's so many Alfreds. There's Jeremy Irons. There's Pennyworth. There's yeah. There's Epics. a show. Yeah, Pennyworth. And then there's the Gotham show. There was an Alfred there. Now we got Ricky Gervais. Although this this movie is probably going to be a one off. Pierce Brosnan is going to be the new Alfred for this Robert Pattinson movie. So in like a three, that's insane. In like a three year span, we've had five Alfreds. 
in in various some that's pretty DC well, I mean, you're not you know. even talking about the cartoon universe. that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah the yeah. dc cartoon universe they make they're making some good movies over there oh okay yeah they're that. making some good animated movies okay. so, not all of them but there are a few really good ones and you ever seen the movie christine of course wait the john carpenter christine about the car no the antonio campos movie Oh based, hell yeah! Based off of Christine Chubbuck. Ch- Chubbuck. Oh man, because that, that, that was a movie. That, there, there were two, by the way, that came out the same year. I do think all bias aside, Antonio Campos is he's a really cool guy. Uh, that I, know. I, I did prefer his his story a little better. So and Rebecca Hall did a really good job. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, Damn, Christine Christine was a was a reporter who killed herself on live TV mm-hmm. and this movie goes into the details of it and I was getting major vibes like that yeah yes yeah in, damn in right. that yeah. scene I was like oh I think this is where it's gonna go and part of that and then it causes a riot and in the ensuing riot is the the origin story of Batman because they were able to turn that riot into the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne yeah Martha. Martha. That's your mom's name, too? Oh, that's cool. We'll be friends now. Do you like hot Cheetos? Okay. Batman definitely likes hot Cheetos. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, well, neither of them have dads, actually. That's true. You told me yesterday when I showed you a picture of what I was bringing. <laughs> so, I packed myself a little snack for the movies. Uh, um... Two Smart. I bet that thing. I bet that what two fifty total three dollars. Three dollars. So yeah, I, and that would so, have been like thirty dollars at the movies. You know, I haven't talked about it a while on the podcast, but as you guys may or may not have known, I've I've lost one hundred and fifteen pounds great. in the past year, and I was on keto for a while, and then I was on paleo, but now I'm just, I now I'm just working out every day, and I and I eat what I want I mostly am eating healthy but I eat what I want and when I go to the movies you know I don't want to eat carrot sticks so I treat myself so I sent I got I sent him a picture of it was hot hot popcorn like spicy popcorn hot Cheetos and two different flavored Rice Krispie treats and Marcus sent me a, sent me a tweet by Zach Fox, who's a comedian that I that I've learned about mostly through you, who I yeah. think is hilarious. I think he's still banned from Twitter. His account's still suspended for a little while. Well, he's out there. He is. That's he but is. to me, that's the sort of quote unquote offensive comedy I like. Right. I like my comedy offensive. I just like it a different flavor of offensive. Yeah. I like a little absurdist, but still offensive. I like absurd. And that's what Zach Fox. Is. I like absurdism. So and I and absurdism often has to. Yeah, I mean, there were also feelings of, like, Andy Kaufman in this movie as well. Yeah, oh, sure. Um, so I like, I prefer my comedy to be absurdist, but I still prefer things that, I like I like dark subject matter. I mm, just do. Mm-hmm. This movie is not a comedy, though there are a couple jokes. A couple, but, yeah. And there's, um, but yeah, Zach Fox made a tweet that you showed me that, women that eat hot Cheetos don't have dads. And I was like, well, yeah. I'm eating hot Cheetos and I don't have a dad. And I so. completely forgot about that. 
And, and I didn't mean it like that. Yeah, you were just making fun What's of me funny is, though, the comments, that. if you read the comments, there's a couple of women who were like, fuck you, like who, right, who wrote, <clears throat> just kind of validating his, um, yeah. Yeah, also, like, I didn't think you were making fun of the fact that my father no, passed away of course 20 not. years ago. <clears throat> yeah. I'm joking, you know, I just... You did make a joke on my, on my behalf once. When... <laughs> When widows came out, you were like, "Oh, that should star our moms because they're both widows." And I was like, "It was this wave of like, what the fuck? Oh, that's kind of funny." Like the, the for a split second, I was like, "Yo, oh no, that, that is kind of funny." Yeah. Also, I think as we're getting to know each other, we're towing the line of you know yeah. what what's funny, what's not. Sure. And you know, yeah. I wonder if I'm going to get in trouble for that get out joke. I wonder if I'm going to get canceled no, for that's that. Fine. But also, Martin Scorsese was attached to work on this movie he as was. a producer. He but, was. But he, he didn't. And he recently got in trouble for saying that he he's unimpressed. He trouble. A bunch of people he doesn't even care about right. got mad. That he's unimpressed by superhero movies which is the sentiment of so many people that's what's also yeah, when, funny when, is that do, do people Min- realize a lot of people feel that when, way when it's Minton like- Marinino five years ago said these CGI movies the superhero movies are playing a fucking video game no one cared yeah. why, why is Martin Scorsese who's Martin Scorsese why do you think he would he would think these movies are good he was also asked, like it came in kind of the form of a question. Right. He didn't just like tweet, hey, these, but like it was in the interview. Like that's another thing that people like his opinion was kind of asked. And now it's like you can't, it's like I've, now you have to, now you have to prefer. I'm like this. Whenever someone asks my opinion on something, a lot of times I'll say, well, you asked my opinion. So I'll say like, I have to reiterate it. So people, so I'm not a hater because that's right. usually what happens. You have to so, just, hey, you asked me. So I will now. And Tume did encourage us to dislike more things. Sure. But I, my thing is I actually... And that's a good point. I dislike things. I just... The older I get, I try to talk more about what I do like. Right. But trust me, there's, fully, there, there's a lot of things I dislike. Trust I really me. thought I was going to dislike the Joker from all the all the things people were saying. Right, 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 right. Sure. So, you know, I was like... So when I did like it, more, you know, I'm not saying it's a five star movie, but I think it's a four star movie. Oh, I was, I'd give it a three, a bit of solid three, but a three. Because I do think it did a very good job of, of, mimicking, the Mean Streets and, mm-hmm. Taxi Driver, Dog Day Afternoon, uh, yeah, drugstore, not drugstore cowboy, um, Midnight, Midnight cowboy. cowboy, yeah, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I just thought it did do a good job of that. But yeah, maybe three and a half. But it still, I, you know, I've been really thinking about the movie Coming Home, the Hal Ashby movie. Mm. I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. I just mm-hmm. it comes to mind because it's just such a beautiful film. Yeah. About difficult topics, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think Joker was better than Coming Home. Or better than... That's weird for me to even compare those two movies. Yeah, I don't know. I just started thinking about Hal Ashby, who's really one of my favorite directors, especially of new new American cinema. Sure. Sure. 
What's your What's your favorite Hal Ashby movie? No, it's not Being There. I was about to say that. I just feel like that's the one I've watched the most. Being Maybe there? the last... I would say the last detail, I think. But that's only because in recent years, uh, Last Flag Flying, I watched... I didn't fall in love with it, but I was like, oh, this is an interesting concept that Richard Linklater was going for. Yeah. And then I went back and watched The Last Detail, and then I was watching it a lot. And I was like, oh, this is... Uh, I it's really a like movie. this movie. Yeah. I mean, I believe that up until 1980, Hal Ashby was batting a thousand mm. yeah being there was my favorite movie period for a very long time mm-hmm. but landlord obviously right. right which was written by oh yeah our our, our boy um jesus bill gunn bill gunn and had lee grant mm-hmm. who i recently met a young charlie murphy a young Charlie Murphy. <laughs> Very young Charlie Murphy. Bo Bridges. Yeah. So he did that. He did Harold and Maude, Shampoo, yeah. Last Detail, Coming Home. I mean, he was just... Yeah, yeah, he was kind of... Killers. Killer, yeah. So, and John Voight was in Coming Home. Yeah. He was also in Midnight Cowboy and also in Deliverance. And he's Three also movies. a crazy person. He seems to he seems to be a little unwell. Yeah. And just a couple thoughts before before we before we close out. Sure. Is I think this is a cool idea for quote unquote comic book movies about just telling you know separate what you know just their own standalone stories. Yeah. That. If there there are little Easter eggs or little Frank Miller Easter eggs, little Easter eggs in the movie, if you like it, but you could also just like, oh, this is a a movie about someone losing their mind. Yeah. And I think it's also just difficult when doing homage style movies because I think about P.T. Anderson's Boogie Nights, mm-hmm. which is almost is almost a shot for shot remake of Raging Bull in a way. Certain certain moments are shot for shot, yeah. By Paul Thomas Anderson's own admission. Especially right, not, the, the scene towards the end. The end of both movies, the mirror scene, and there's some right. other stuff, but yeah. But it has this sort of vi- vibe. And so, but I think P.T. Anderson was able to hum- make a homage to Martin Scorsese that is still idiosyncratically Paul Thomas Anderson, where I think... I don't know Todd Phillips' voice enough to to know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And also, I just remember, like, the Hangover movies were kind of mean, though. Of course they were. Like, someone brought up a good point where he was like... Uh, someone on... It was on... I saw it on variations of it on Facebook and Twitter, how you got this guy, Todd Phillips, complaining you can't, you know, say, do whatever... But it's like he's the guy that in Hangover had the line where Bradley Cooper's like paging Dr. Faggot. And it's just like you had that you had shit like that in your movie. Like there's a scene where Zach Galifianakis like accidentally like hits the can baby you, in the head with the car door. Contextually anymore? I said it quoted quoted. Yes, I can. Okay. I, I just did. And, it's, right. and it, it'll be fine. Yeah. Also that what's that actor who used to be a doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. 
<laughs> oh shit. I was about to say Carl Jung, but I was like, no, that's definitely Carl not Carl Jung? Yeah, the I know. psychoanalyst? Yeah, uh, famously played by Michael Fassbender. Um, no. That uh, was a good movie. Uh, and that sort of. It, look, if it wasn't talking made. Talking about a dangerous method for those of you who. Yes, if it wasn't made by Bronenberg. Yeah. Then I think that's the only reason because it was. It's just that Cronenberg, this third act of his is just a different, is just a very different act. It's different indeed. Although Cosmopolis was definitely great. That was his, that was a great movie, but he had, but before and after he hadn't made a great movie in a minute, but yeah. Eastern, the, Eastern he, Promises was good. It was, it was fine. As I said before, fine. that Paul Walker movie was, was a better version of it. Paul mm-hmm. Walker movie where he loses, where he loses a gun that shot a cop. Yeah, I, I yeah, I know. Running talking. scared. Yeah. yeah, yes. Is yeah. that what it's called? Yes, the movie's great. Yeah, it's American. East, it's Western promises. Yeah, but Southampton. but the comedian you're talking about, the guy, everyone knows he's the guy from Community and yeah, all that he used stuff. to be a doctor. Yeah, you know that whole character is like super fucked up, yeah. and I, if I remember correctly, the dude, one of the actor, the actor from The Office. Ed Helms. Ed Helms, they make a joke about him getting, having sex with a, with a trans person, but them having sex with him, and yeah, they think it's funny, yeah. where I don't, I don't think making like that is funny, so I don't know. Those movies are really edgy, so I don't, and, and I don't say edgy is like a good thing, but I'm not even saying they're bad, I'm just saying he's been making mean-spirited movies yeah yes so but i also just want to say one more thing um the whole in the in the joker the whole sort of the system is not your friend and lack of resources for the mentally ill was was an interesting motif Mm -hmm. but it was certainly overt and one of their underlying things of the movie is that is that the Joker stops having meds available and he yeah. starts hallucinating. Like, he hallucinates this relationship. This whole scenario in which the movie, I, which, which I, I knew which was you, coming. I knew, but, I knew yeah, it. Yeah. I knew it. And, but I just want to say that 99.9999999% of the mentally ill don't become murderous. Right, sure. And, but it's also important to keep people that need medicine focus on the word medicine I mean focus on the word need to make sure they're medicated and I had issue with that tidbit because even even if there were hard times I can't imagine that you would not have someone that required that much medication not have access to that yeah yeah so that's my thought on that and and I saw a preview for Birds of Prey while I was at the oh, movie that theater. Makes sense. And I it was it was so jump cutty that I have no idea what the what just looks like was. another Suicide Squad and I'm 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 all set with that. I really am. Yeah, it's just too much. You just like as you just pointed out, there's five I didn't even know there there was an Alfred show. I heard Teen Titans is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Doom Patrol. There's there's a whole new Star Trek series that's coming out that I and there's a new Picard. Did you mm-hmm. know that? Yeah, I did. I didn't. Yeah. Because it's so much. Mm-hmm. 
and I also wanted to shout out um, Sloan Leong and Alan Eleven and, and Ronald Wimberly because I was I was I was sort of feeling guilty this weekend because I I wanted to go to Comic Con to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but I feel guilty that I have such considerable social anxiety. Also, I'm broke, mm-hmm. and I tweeted that. I would like to go to comic cons, but I'm broke and I have social anxiety and they were all really nice as was Leanne. Yeah. who's also nice. She's always nice to me on social media. Sure. And, and Ronald Wimberly invited me to a comic book con next year, like a bigger one. And mm-hmm. Sloan recommended a zine fair next mm-hmm. month. And I just appreciate that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's really, it's really, it's a really interesting movie that Todd Phillips made, but it would be way cooler if we're making more weird comic book movies based off of Sloan stuff or Ronald mm-hmm. Wimberly stuff. I, yeah. I'll have to reach out to Ronald and see what's going on with the Prince of Cats, where that where that production's going, and I don't know. Now that now that we clearly see that comic book movies are successful. Can we take some more risks? This movie's considered a risk, I guess, but it's already made a hundred million dollars. Damn. Wow. I, I, the fact that it's making so much money makes me worry and makes me feel like they're not going to take risks because now this is our formula, or a couple of different formulas. And right, they come up with that. formulas like Guardians of the Galaxy was a risk, then it was a success. Now there's the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now there's the Deadpool. Now there's there's different formulas of risk yeah. knock knock which also uh, who's there I mop I mop who holy calamity scream insanity all oh, you ever gonna be another great fan of me boom. Yeah, boom. Yeah, boom.